wants to meet you today. He, who's that? Amen. Good to see you. Well, look at this crowd for, what is this, Labor Day? Yeah, Labor Day. You know, nobody's taking a vacay. That's a good thing. Your pastor had a little mishap last night. Yes, um, he was taking the dogs out in the dark garage and didn't want to turn on the lights. And uh, on the way back, he went, had a fall. Um, you know how you are in the middle of the night, just kind of like wishing you were still in bed. But anyway, he hurt his back and bloodied up his arms. And uh, I think he's okay, but he looked kind of pathetic, so he stayed, he's staying home. Pray for his healing. I know you pray for him anyway, right? Yes, just so keep praying for him and, and just continue to pray now specifically that this would, you know, be short-lived and would heal and all that. It's good to see you. This week we have um, a woman's heart, which is now our ladies' uh, Bible study, and that meets Tuesday, ladies. So if you haven't come, it's a little differently structured this year, and it will be a little Bible study within the fellowship. It's a good way to meet ladies. It's from 6 in the evening on Tuesday to 7.30, includes food. So you can be bought from work and come right on and eat and do all those fun things at the same time. So if you want to do that. Um, all the announcements are in the celebration guide. And you can scan our little hoochie-doochie thing there. And uh, <laughs> you know that thing. <laughs> to find out. It takes you directly to um, the announcements for the church. So I know you've been sitting a little bit. Now I'm going to ask you to take a little risk here. You know, just stand up and go find Someone you don't know. It's a risky thing. Say, hey, how you doing? All that jazz. <laughs> Woo. Oh, that looks good. Stand up.
the God of freedom, somebody give him praise. Stand up if you believe in the name of Jesus, somebody give him praise. Stand up if you believe in the God of freedom, somebody give him praise. Stand up if you believe in the name of Jesus, somebody give him praise. Stand up if you believe that the word is final, somebody give him praise. Stand up if you believe in the new
great God. A God that loves us and loves us and loves us.
Father, we thank you. You are all things to us, a father, a savior, a friend. You are everything that we need, Lord. And Father, we just praise you that you've allowed us to come through a time that looked to be so bad for this community, Father, and yet you took your mighty hand and just swerved that weather away from us, Lord. We are so grateful in Jesus' precious name. We thank you. And as we come to you this morning, we want to give back to you. Be thankful, Father, for what you've done in our lives. You give us everything that we have. Why should we not give back to you? So bless this offering, Lord, and turn our attention then, Father, to the song we're going to hear. All things work together for good through Jesus in our lives. In your precious name, amen.
Yes, I believe you're working all things for my good. You're working all things for my Good morning, church. Some of you guys are already like, so Pastor Lloyd's not preaching. How do I sneak out the back door without anyone seeing me? Like the, the youth pastor is kind of like the third string quarterback, you know, like when the third stringer comes into a football game, you know that the game really is over and they're just letting the time run out. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. No, seriously though, it is such an honor to be here this morning. Um, it's big shoes to fill. Uh, but we're super honored uh, to be able to preach from the same pulpit as Pastor Lloyd. Thankful for him. Thankful for Miss Nancy. Uh, they do a great job. Amen. So we're thankful for their leadership for sure. I'm the, my name is Brian Johnson. I'm the youth pastor. I've been here for a little bit over. Thank you. Thank you. I've been here. You don't have to do that, I promise. I've been here for a little over a year, which time flies, but uh, God is good. And man, we're so thankful for our youth. Our youth have really been growing in their faith, and they're so excited. They're bringing their friends, amen? So that's a good thing, you know? And, uh, you know, they are the future of our church. Um, so it's a big deal. And so, uh, you know, would you pray for them? These are some dark days. And so it's hard to be a Christian teenager nowadays. So we want to cover them in our prayers. But so this morning... I'm going to share with you a story before we get started. So I actually come from a youth group of about 250 kids. Yeah, yeah, big youth group. And out of 250, I was really close to five of them. It was the pastor's son and then the four deacon's sons, right? Now, before you go like, oh, I bet you guys prayed together often and engaged in Bible study on the daily. No, that is absolutely the furthest from the truth. We got into a lot of trouble, a lot of mischief. Um, that's kind of what they were known for. And I looked up to them for all of the wrong reasons. So it's funny, we went to this church camp uh, every summer called Laguna Beach Christian Retreat in Panama City, Florida. I got a couple of head nods. Some of you guys know where that's at? Okay, right on. 
So we, we were at this uh, Christian retreat this particular summer, and I remember unloading our buses, and, um, you know, of course, we grabbed our stuff, went up to our rooms, um, unloaded our bags or whatever, and then I hear a commotion going on uh, by the pool deck downstairs. Of course, I'm a curious teenager. I'm like, I want to see what's going on. So I take off downstairs, uh, and when I get there, the funniest thing happens, you know, I, I, I'm pushing through the crowd because I want to see what's going on. Not a leader is there, by the way. There's not a single, there's no youth pastor. There's no adult leader. It's just a bunch of youth, okay? Problem, right? So anyway, so I push through whatever, and they are strategically taking those white plastic pool uh, chairs. You know what I'm talking about? The foldable white pool chairs, they're laying them flat, and they're strategically placing them all along the pool. So if you don't know what they're doing by now, the pastor's son takes about 10, 15 steps back, and he launches forward. And he takes a big leap, one step, two chairs. He makes it a third chair even, and then he starts to stumble. On the fourth chair, he hits himself on the chest, and then his head blasts the side of the pool. So hard that he's bleeding profusely from his head. He's borderline partially unconscious or what, I don't know what that even looks like. But he's being pulled and drug out of the water. By this time, some of the youth have grabbed uh, the youth pastor and some of the adult leaders. Well, they come pushing through. And the only thing that the youth pastor could get out was, what in the world were you thinking? Which I could, I could probably relate to that. And the only response that the pastor's son said was, <laughs> I guess I'm not Jesus. Are you kidding me? Listen, guys, that was funny, like, at the time. But as a youth pastor, this story makes me cringe. So to be honest with you, like, what do you, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? I guess I'm not Jesus. Why did you do that? You know, where were the leaders, you know? Where was the youth pastor? You know, it's so funny. But believe it or not, we're actually going to um, dive into a particular passage somewhat related to the story. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. So if you have your Bibles, bust those out. This morning, we're going to do what's called an immersive scripture reading. So you're going to hear sound effects, uh, you know, some waves and some wind and rain. It is not in your head. It's not outside. We're just going to do something fun. So if you would read along with me. Immedi That's not a part of it. I don't know what that is out there. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. 
five key points I want to share this morning from this particular passage that I feel like is, is very important. Number one, we're going to camp out on for just a little while longer than the others because I feel like it's that important. So number one, you ready? Be willing to get out of the boat. Would you write that down? Be willing to get out of the boat. And some of you are like, Pastor Brian, what do I need to do? Like, what will that take from me? There's two words that I think are really important uh, for number one, and that is trust and obey. Trust and obey. You remember that song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah, but you know what? It's difficult to trust people, isn't it? You know, I can't even trust the people that call my phone. I get about 50 phone calls a day, and maybe two of them are legitimate. You know what I'm talking about? I get telemarketers, scammers, people that want my money. You know, and you're like, gosh, I can't even trust the people who are calling me on my phone. Social media is the same way. For those that have Facebook accounts, you get these friend requests from people, and you're like, you think it's the, the real person, you accept their friend request, and as soon as you do, Pastor Lloyd's asking you for $10,000 wired immediately to Russia, and you're like, hold on a second, this may not be Pastor Lloyd, you know what I'm talking about? And, and people are the same way. Like, we've, we've all had friends who have stabbed us in the back, broken our trust, family members. We've even known some pastors of churches who have done that. There's actually a, a really popular church uh, that there's a documentary on called Hillsong Church, a very well-known church uh, for their music, uh, located in Australia, and the founding pastor is actually being accused of molesting multiple kids. The uh, pastor of one of the satellite campuses uh, has had multiple affairs. So here we are encouraging you to trust in Jesus, and I can get why some of you are just a little bit hesitant. Like, I understand why you would be hesitant. And so here we are looking at this particular passage. And if you're like me, you're going, I'm going to approach this situation like I do any other situation. And I'm going to analyze the situation. Anybody with me on that? Like, I'm going to look at, is it really safe? I mean, is this going to be successful? Am I really going to do this? And is it going to work? Anybody with me? And those, that, that is influenced by a number of things. I don't know about you, but like prior experiences that I've had in the past that are similar and I've failed, then I look at this situation that God has for me. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. This is not going to work. It didn't work before. It won't work again. Or how about times where you've heard stories from other people and then you hear their stories of failure and you go, well, if they failed, then I will fail too. Media, newspaper articles, you know, the news, uh, social media, all of these things influence our decision-making, am I right? And so, like, when we're approaching this situation, whether we're going to step off in faith and believe and trust God, we give whatever is left of trusting in him, not fully trusting in him. So, like, big things that, that we need to trust him with, our finances, our health, a job change, a house purchase, our marriage, our kids, they're not easy. It's not easy just to trust God and give it to God. 
But I want us to look at a particular passage that you're familiar with. Pastor actually went over it a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to go over it again. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Some of your heart, all your heart. And lean not, get this, on your own understanding. Lean not on your own thought processes. Lean not on what you know about the world, but trust in him with all of your heart. But watch the second part, you ready? In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Did you get that? Trust and submit, obey. Trust and obey. You can't follow in obedience if you don't trust the one you're obeying. Amen? And so whenever we're looking at uh, this passage, we're understanding how to trust in the Lord and to submit to him, and he will make our path straight. We have to be willing to trust that our decision is guided by the Holy Spirit, not just merely our own thought processes. Make sense? So here's another passage for you. Are you ready? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts, than your thoughts. You see what I mean? If the Lord's thoughts are higher than ours, if the Lord's ways are higher than ours, we have to fully trust him. But obedience is not easy either, is it? You know, we, we kind of learn at a young age, like how to obey, like how to obey our parents, how to obey our grandparents, how to obey our teachers, you know, how to, you know, obey authority. You know, I, I, I told this story to my youth not that long ago. My middle child, Caleb, God bless him, as a baby, he was like always trying to push my buttons and like test the waters on like how far he could go before like, I get really upset, you know what I mean? And as a baby, I remember uh, he had this obsession with like touching the keys on my laptop. Like he wanted just to push as hard as he could on the keys of my laptop. And I'd be sitting there working on something on the couch and I'd be watching TV. Next thing you know, bowling, be- bowling ball headed Caleb with his, you know, pee filled diaper. He's like walking over, breathing all super hard. He's like looking to see if I'm looking at him. <sighs> And then he like touches the keys. He's like, eh. he's like, touch him. Like, Caleb, stop that. You know, he's like, oh. And then I'll turn around. I'll watch TV again. And, eh. <laughs> hey, he's touching him again. Caleb, stop that. You know, we're always testing as a kid. We're testing our will versus the will of someone else. We're learning to trust, trust the wisdom of somebody else, the judgment of someone else rather than just our own. And that's not easy to do. But I want you to look with me at 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 through 23. Lots of scriptures this morning. 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Get this. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. In Bible college, they actually taught us to learn either or words. It's either this or that. So if you have your notes, I want you to write these down. You ready? Or if you have your Bibles, highlight it, underline it, circle these words. Obey. Heed. Rebellion. Arrogance. Obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Could it be possible that if we don't obey and we don't heed, that we are possibly rebellious or arrogant? It's either you obey and heed or you're rebellious and arrogant. Did you get that? So many times we don't submit because maybe we're too arrogant to see the Lord's provision because why? We know best, don't we? We may say things like, there's no way that 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 will ever work, Lord. I've already tried. Lord, I see that decision failing. I've seen others who have failed after making the same mistake and I don't wanna make the mistake that they've made. I don't know about you, I've said those things to myself or to to the Lord, but we have to learn to trust in Jesus, relying on his wisdom, his provision to make it easier for us to submit and obey to his calling. And did you know that he's calling each one of us for a greater purpose than our own? things that we had no idea about. Jesus is already calling you this morning. Maybe you've never stepped out in faith to believe and trust in him, and maybe he's been calling you and you've been ignoring that call. But I want you to hear these passages. 2 Peter 1.10 says this, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Here's another one, 2 Timothy 1.9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Did you get that? According to his own purpose. All right, all right, I'm gonna move on to number two. You ready? Sorry. You guys are like, are we still on number one? (laughs) The truth is, yes, we are. All right, number two. Ignore the naysayers who aren't willing to walk on water. This is going to be good. Get ready. Ignore the naysayers who are not willing to walk on water. Gen Z likes to call these people toxic people. So if you ever like hear like a teenager be like, that person's so toxic. That means like they're like negative, you know, they like weigh people, they they weigh them down, you know, they're not positive, you know, toxic people, right? And it says in this particular passage that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. It's funny, like when pastors preach on Peter, they always want to bring up Peter's lack of faith, 
Like Peter just didn't have enough faith to, to keep going to Jesus, you know? But what about like the scaredy cats on the boat? Like no one wants to talk about those guys, you know what I mean? At least he was willing to step out and believe and trust Jesus in the first place, amen? He was willing to step out and believe, period. And I don't know if you can hear like some of the things that they may be saying in his ear hole uh, as he's trying to step off, but I could hear people saying, disciples saying, you know, I don't know about that. I, I just, that looks dangerous. I mean, you could do that, but I, I wouldn't do that. You might have people like that in your life when you're trying to make a decision. Like, ah, yeah, I think you would be good for the Bible study. I don't think you'd be great. And like, I know, I know that you're wanting to trust Jesus, but I mean, are you sure you want to make that decision? Anybody with me? Those people are toxic. And I'm telling you right now, that whenever you see people like that in your life, they're the ones that are bringing you down and keeping you from what God wants you to do. Anybody with me? And so whenever we start seeing people that are going to uplift us, I feel more at peace and more stronger in my faith whenever I'm surrounded by people who are willing to walk on water. So that is what we're called to do, to surround ourselves with people who are willing to walk on water. Number three, don't lose sight of God's promises for your life. Don't lose sight of God's promises for your life. At this point in the passage, we see Peter starting to walk on water and come to Jesus, but whenever he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. The one thing that I want you to get from number three is don't lose sight of Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. I had the opportunity yesterday to help one of our, or our couple in our church move some of their stuff out of their home. And uh, due to the storm, they had about two feet of water uh, in their condo, and so they're throwing their stuff away. And uh, some of the things, and, and uh, Alex, who runs our college ministry, does a phenomenal job. He, um, him and a couple of college guys were with us, and we're throwing this stuff away. And some of it was like keepsake stuff, like pictures, uh, things that they could never get back. And as we're throwing them away, I feel like I was, I was heartbroken for them. But do you know that they remained so joyful during that time? They remain so positive. You know, I learned something from that moment. You want to learn? If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he is our source of joy, amen. He is our source of peace. He's our source of hope. He is with us. And therefore, we have to keep sight of who he is in our lives. Another story real quick. I, um, I felt the call. Uh, we moved to Kentucky and uh, was in ministry there as the youth pastor and associate pastor there in Kentucky. So we were not Floridians for a whole two years, okay? Uh, but we, we moved to Kentucky, and during that time, ministry did really well. It was, it was awesome. And then out of nowhere, like, God calls us back to Florida. And um, my dad had had multiple heart attacks. My grandfather had had a heart attack. And my kids, because we traveled in ministry so much, my kids didn't even know their grandfather and great-grandfather. And so we felt so at peace to, to transition back to Florida. But did you know, I can't even count the number of panic 
attacks that I had during that time. Like in the middle of the night, full-blown, ask my wife, like, <gasps> like I can't breathe, you know? I feel like I'm, I'm having a full-blown heart attack. Like one of our adult leaders in our youth ministry was my family doctor as well. Do you know I was blowing up his phone every day? Like, what's going on with me? He's like, calm down, buddy. Like you're, you're just having a panic attack. It's all good, you know? But for me, it was real. And I was taking the weight of the world and putting it on my own shoulders. And for a moment, I took my eyes off of the prize. I took my eyes off of what Jesus had in store for our family. I wanted to take lead of that process. I wanted to be the one to, to, to find a house, to find a job for me and my wife, to make sure the, the, the school was good for our kids. Are they at least a, you know, a, a, a nine or 10 or you know, a school, grade level school? Because if not, you, know, you never know, something bad could happen. And I'm taking all of the stress, all of this anxiety, and I'm putting it on my shoulders. And for just a little bit, I took my eyes off of Jesus. In our storms, it is so easy. And we all have them, don't we? Storms of life that, that take our eyes off Jesus, it's so easy. But if we would just keep our eyes on the prize. Number four, you don't have to go the distance alone. You don't have to go the distance alone. At this point in the passage, beginning to sink, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Then they both went back to the boat, get this, together. You of little faith, why did you doubt? This like, line used to villainize Peter for me as a kid. I don't know about you, like if you've ever attended like Sunday school or like uh, children's church as a kid, and you remember like coloring those black and white pages, coloring Peter, and Peter's drowning. He's making this really awkward face, like, save me. And then Jesus is like pulling him up, you know, and, and the whole time that I'm coloring that sheet, I'm thinking, Peter, you're such a weenie. Like, <laughs> you could have been making it to Jesus. <laughs> I could have done that, you know. And it's funny, like how you know, we, we tend to villainize Peter for his lack of faith, you know, but I want you to, to know that I've learned since then, I've grown since then, to learn that Jesus was actually testing Peter, was actually testing to grow his faith. You want to know how I know that? Check this out. Matthew 17, verse 20 says, Jesus said to them, because you of little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Isn't that good? Nothing will be impossible for you. So do you see this whole scene was for Peter. Jesus instructed them, get on the boat, get on the water. Jesus meets them out. He's walking on water. Oh, and then, you know, Peter is about to step out on faith. He steps out in faith. Jesus knows exactly what Peter's going to do. He knows Peter like the back of his hand. He knows how he's going to respond. And still he says, come, 
right? So this scene is set up for him. He knows Peter and he knows you just as well. He knows how you're going to respond and he's ready to put you to the test to see how you'll respond to his calling. And so he calls Peter onto the water and whatever he says, and he starts sinking now, right? So he doesn't make it all the way to Jesus, but whenever he makes it on the way to Jesus, he starts to sink. And when he starts sinking, does Jesus leave him there? No. What does he do instead? He lifts him up and brings him to the safety of the boat. And you know what that shows me? In these times, we have to remember who walks with us through this wild, crazy journey called life. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you even whenever you stumble and fall. He is right there to lift you up in your trial, in your tribulation, in the moment that God is calling you. And for some reason you feel like you've let God down, Jesus says, come here. Let's go to safety together. Anybody with me, church? I, I love this part of scripture. And so I, I'm reminded of two particular passages that are, are testimonies of this. Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that good? Second one, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's good stuff. We learn that we don't have to go the distance and do life by ourselves. Number five, your walk with Christ impacts more than just yourself. Your walk with Christ impacts more than just yourself. It says, when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly you are the Son of God. This is going to be a hard one for some of us to swallow. But did you know that some people are waiting to see how you are going to respond to Jesus? People are looking to you to see if you're willing to accept the call to follow Christ. And then they're waiting to see how you respond to adversity, to the storms. So no pressure. But because of that, we're really going to have to learn to trust in a mighty God, the creator of the universe who loves you so much that he died on the cross for you and I. And that he promises you that if you would trust him with some of your heart, all of your heart, 
Lean not on your own understanding and submit to him. If we do that, we can walk like Jesus and walk on water, amen. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I wanna ask you this morning. You see, people wanna know Will my friend Bob actually trust in the God that he serves or bow out just like everybody else? Will Todd trust God with the storm that he's going through or will he cave? Will Mary actually faithfully lead that ministry, that small group, or just back away from the opportunity? Will Tom forgive me and show me the love of Jesus that the world is incapable of providing or just be like everybody else? Will Sarah make sacrifices in her own life to show me how to do the same as a new believer in Jesus. This is the reality. And so this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ, but maybe God has been calling you to him for a long time and you've been running just as fast as you can. The Bible is clear that if this is your moment, and it could be for somebody in here, this is your moment. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Or maybe you've just been running from something that he's called you to. I don't know what it is in your life, but I really pray that you would respond this morning. So Father, we love you. God, and we thank you so much for your word. And we just pray, God, for a moving of your Holy Spirit and for God's people to respond to your word and your calling. So Father, I don't know who it is this morning, but I just pray, God, that someone would put down their pride and turn to you in the midst of their storm. It's in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together as we close.
Father God, as we leave here this morning, I pray that we would be a people that can walk on water. Father, serving as an example to others, trusting you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, our minds, and strength. God, be with us this morning as we go out from this place to be different from the way that we came. And Father, we just pray for our pastor that you would be with him in his time of need and bring him back to health. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We love you guys so much. God bless you.